Well, we have had church already today. God bless you. Brother Al has asked me to preach uh, in his place today. He is not feeling well. I do not share that other than just to say that uh, he is our pastor and uh, I know you love him like uh, I do. And and, uh, I would just say as a church, let's pray for our pastor. He's just not feeling well today and uh, still having some pain from his treatments. So we want to keep him lifted up to the Lord. Our sermon today will be taken from Proverbs. I I do not assume to try to carry on his sermon series as much as just maybe keep it in the same vein. And I want to preach to you from Proverbs chapter 1 today. Brother Al preached, I think a few weeks ago at the beginning, uh, chapter 1 verses 1 through 7. And I want to pick up at verse 7 and then just share... Uh, some today uh, from verses 7 through 19. I want to speak to you today on this uh, topic, wisdom, the crown jewel of life. Wisdom, the crown jewel of life. For years, for years, uh, Lakeview has been sending teams to London as we have partnered with some friends, churches there to do mission work, uh, to take the gospel of Christ to London, just like we had taken the gospel to Buffalo. Uh, several of these trips I've been privileged to lead, taking uh, many people there, and we would do a, a week of ministry, but we would also always add an extra day uh, just so that we could uh, have a, a little off day and see some of the sights of London. I mean, it's hard to go that far and not just really also take in the beauty of the places where God is working and and leading us to work. One of the things we do most often is to visit the Tower of London. It's an old medieval castle that was built around uh, 1000 A.D. And uh, in that castle, along with just the magnificent structure itself and the history of London, it also has the uh, uh, privilege, I say, to uh, hold the crown jewels of the royal family. And you can go through a certain section that is highly guarded, uh, vaulted, etc., and just take in all of the magnificent uh, jewels of the royal family. Well, being the interested person that I am, as we were touring this on one of my last trips, uh, I had the audacity to ask one of the, the guides, I says, just what is the value of the 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 crown jewels and the guy looked at me as if I was an American and ignorant and just tilted his head he says sir they're priceless and I said sure they are I get it and it makes sense how would you put a, a price on that well as priceless as the crown jewels are of the royal family there's something that we have that is far far more valuable to us as people of God. And that is the wisdom of God, the Word of God. The book of Proverbs presents something about this treasure we have that is greater than any treasure of the world. It presents to us the wisdom of God. And this treasure is embodied in the person of Jesus Christ. Now, Brother Adam... I should have got with you before the service because as you sing, and Miss Annette so wonderfully sing, amen, we said, holiness has a name. 
and his name is Jesus. Victory has a name, and his name is Jesus. The Word has a name, and his name is Jesus. We sing, redemption has a name, and his name is Jesus. Well, we should have just added one more verse. Wisdom has a name, and his name is Jesus. Paul, writing to the Colossians, said this about his own ministry. He says, my purpose is that they may be encouraged in heart, united in love, so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding, in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Although we look at an Old Testament book that in writing preceded the revelation of Christ, the wisdom of Proverbs of Solomon does not precede the existence of the wisdom of God, namely Christ Jesus, for he is eternal. And though Proverbs was written to us about the wisdom of God for our life, but it's no more understood than we understand when we understand that Christ is the embodiment of that wisdom. In Proverbs, you see the holiness of God in the truth of God. You see the sinfulness of man. But you also see in this book the blessings of being right with God. And so we see this today. Follow along with me, picking up at verse 7 in Proverbs chapter 1, reading through verse 19. It says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline listen my son to your father's instruction do not forsake your mother's teachings they will be a garland to grace your head and a chain to adorn your neck my son if sinners entice you do not give in to them if they say come along with us let's lie and wait for someone's blood let's waylay some harmless soul let's swallow them alive like the grave and whole, like those who go down to the pit, he will get all sorts of valuable things and, and fill our houses with plunder. Throw in your lot with us, and we will have a share of the common purse. My son, do not go along with them. Do not set foot on their paths, for their feet rush into sin, and they are swift to shed blood. How useless to spread a net in full view of all the birds. These men lie in wait for their own blood. They waylay only themselves. Such is the end of all who go after ill-gotten gain. It takes away the lives of those who get it. Proverbs was written by Solomon, who is recognized in Scripture as the wisest man in the Bible. A wisdom that was given to him by God when he was given the privilege by God to say, what shall I give you? And Solomon chose to ask for wisdom. And God gave him that wisdom. The book of Proverbs is just one, one uh, display of that wisdom. And particularly, he writes this, as you see, to his son. To convey to him a portion of this wisdom. Because he loved him, he cared for him, he wanted him to know right and do right. He wanted him to have the blessing 
of God that is contained in this wisdom. Isaiah 11, 2, 3, again, exemplifies what this wisdom is when it says the Spirit of the Lord will rest on him. Now, who was Isaiah speaking to here? Speaking as a prophet, he was writing about the Lord himself. The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and power, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. You see, all of these elements in what Isaiah was writing some 800 years before Christ, these same elements that Proverbs or Solomon is presenting to us, wisdom, understanding, counsel, knowledge, fear of the Lord. These are things that speak to not only God, but of God's Son, Christ. So in this passage we see somewhat of the holiness of God, but you also see, you see here, the, the sinfulness of man. You see Proverbs exhorting his son to fear the Lord. It's the beginning of wisdom. And then you see him warn his son about the dangers of sin. So in our sermon today, just four quick points about wisdom. One, we see wisdom begins with the knowledge, with knowing and believing in God. We see that wisdom listens to God's instruction. Wisdom resists sin, and wisdom warns us of sin's destruction. In verse 7, first of all, we see the wisdom of God begins with knowing and believing in God. Verse 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. This is the key verse of the book of Proverbs. Along with chapter 9, verse 10, which is very similar, chapter 9, verse 10 also says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Knowledge of the Holy One. And so this is not just, this is not just proverbial wise sayings that help you live good. But this is, this is the wisdom of God that gives us the revelation of a God, but also gives us the revelation of His Son so that we might live a wise life and honor and follow God. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. This word fear represents the awe, the respect, the reverence. It does not necessarily uh, insinuate or mean what we normally think of be afraid, although there probably should be an element of fear of the Holy One, that holy God, that all-powerful God, that righteous judge. But it also means that we should be in awe, that we should live as in respect, in reverence, in submission. Because he says, the fear of the Lord, the Lord, it, the, Solomon uses the sacred name of God here, Yahweh. That same name that Moses reveals to us when he asks God, when God was sending him back to Egypt to the Pharaohs to say, let my people go. Moses asked him, he said, who whom shall I say has sent me? And he says, I am who I am. Yahweh, the holy name of God. Lord, ruler, representing authority. So, so not only do we have an awe and respect and reverence, but we also see this, this implied submission to one who has authority. 
submission to his will, submission to his disciplines, because he is Lord. To be Lord is to be ruler. Not just a ruler that is out there and we recognize for others, but a ruler over us. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Beginning means first order, first importance. And so what I want to say to you here is, I believe this fear of the Lord also implies having a right relationship with God. Knowing God. And how do we know God? But we know Him through faith in His Son. To believe in the Son of God. Repenting of our sin. Putting our faith in Him. How can we fear a God and be right with God unless we know His Son? And though the, the gospel itself is not here, the, all of Scripture is a common thread of the gospel. It's the revelation of God, the speaking of God, the knowing of God. And so this fear of the Lord also has to mean in one sense that we know God as in knowing Him as our Savior and Lord. But we also we're, we, we see here that He warns us. Not only in verse 7 do we see this, this wisdom of God begins with knowing and believing in God, but he also shows us the reason. He says, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. He brings to light the sinfulness of man. He brings to light our need of God. We are foolish. And it's easy for us to, to just, just turn our our, our heads away from God or our hearts away from God, ignoring God. Proverbs 14, 1 says, The fool says in his heart, there is no God. Paul wrote in Romans, in chapter 1, verse 22, he says, Though they knew God, they did not glorify God or give thanks to God. They, they, repre- they, they were foolish when they denied these things. And so you see this contrast. The fear of the Lord contrasted with being foolish and despising the wisdom and the discipline. So wisdom of God begins with knowing and believing in God. But not only do we see this, we also see wisdom listens to God's instruction in verses 8 and 9. Listen, my son, to your father's instruction. Do not forsake your mother's teaching. They will be a garland to grace your head and a chain to adorn your neck. So Solomon, first of all, is speaking to his son. He's speaking to his son, and he says, Listen, my son, to your father's instruction. Do not forsake your mother's teaching. I can remember a time in my young, younger years when I was still living at home, and uh, I was about 15. I had worked all summer and earned a, a good bit of money for a young teenager at that, that time, and the money was burning a hole in my pocket. And a good friend I went to church with had a motorcycle, an old or an older used motorcycle that he had been driving for years, and he was going to sell it. And I had ridden with him on that motorcycle years before, and I thought that was the most wonderful thing in the world, but I could have never afford one until that summer. And he said, I'm selling it. And I said, how much you want? And man, it was just what I had in my pocket. You know, it's like he looked in my pocket and saw my $300. I came home and I told my mom, I says, I, I'm going to buy my friend's motorcycle. She says, son, that's, 
He's had that bike for a long time. It, it may be worn out. It, 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 may not, you know, it may not be a good buy. Well, you know, you can, you can kind of understand what this wise young son did. I bought the motorcycle anyway. And on the way home, on the way home, about two miles outside of Slocum, he lived out in the country, and I, we were living in town. Uh, it broke down. And so for two miles, I pushed that motorcycle home instead of riding or driving at home. I had time to think about what my mom would say when I was pushing that motorcycle up the driveway. I've never forgotten that counsel, that word from my mom. Well, two years, three years later, I had become a Christian, and I started seeing the value of what my mom had taught me through the years so much better. Uh, but my friends and, uh, said, Cliff, this just kind of spur of a moment says, let's go to the beach. Now, we'd been to church that morning, and, and uh, they said, let's go to the beach this evening, and let's, let's spend the night at the beach. We'll sleep on the beach, and you know, we'll come back at sunlight. We'll be back for work. I mean, a great idea, great idea when you're 17. And my mom said, and she, again, just sort of picked it apart and says, now you got to go to work at 8 in the morning. And he said, son, I just tell you, I, I just don't think it's a great idea. But she, as she did so often, she says, but, but I'm going to treat you like a young man. You make the decision. Well, I said, I'm going to the beach. And I got in the car. But no more than I, I got just barely outside the city limits where I remembered my motorcycle breaking down. And I remembered what my mom said. And I said, stop, stop the car. I said, let me out. I'm not going to the beach. I'll walk back home. Now, I think they took me home, but they didn't understand. There's something about the counsel of our parents. Solomon is emphasizing this even to his own son. But, but I want to say to you, just as much as these words were meant for his sons and the sons of Israel. God has meant this word to be the counsel from our Heavenly Father to us, His children today. The parallel truth is that we are to listen to our Heavenly Father's instructions. This is the word of God. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching and rebuking and correcting and training in righteousness. God spoke to, to Adam and Eve in the garden. He says, all of this is for you except for the fruit of the middle of the garden. God instructed them. God, God told Moses to give instruction to the people of Israel in Deuteronomy chapter 6. When he says, these are the commands, the decrees and laws of the Lord your God directed to me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing into the Jordan to possess. God told Moses to give these instructions to the people of Israel. Just, just later on, God told Joshua, he says, he says, tell the people to be strong and courageous, but to keep all of my commands. And then we have in the life of Jesus, when he called 12 men to be his disciples, he spent three years teaching them. And what we have in our New Testament is the benefit of the teaching of Jesus and the revelation of all that Jesus shared, not all, but all that we need 
for life and godliness. We have the instruction of the Lord. Just as Solomon said to his son, he says, he says, listen, my son, to your father's instructions. God is saying to us today, if you want to be a person of wisdom, listen to God's word of instruction. We need to hear it when it's preached. We need to read it. And we have the opportunity to read God's word anytime, anywhere. We need to study God's word. We need to meditate on God's word. We need to be memorizing God's word. We need to cherish God's word as a treasure that is more valuable than the jewels of the royal family. What does he say? He, he, then he tells about this reward. He says, he says, they will be a garland to grace your head, a chain to adorn your neck. There's a reward and a treasure in, in hearing God's word, but also obeying God's word. This garland is like a victory crown or, or something that a bride would wear. A garland to grace your head, a chain to adorn your neck. Not only do we see that the wisdom of God begins with knowing and believing in God. Not only do we see that wisdom listens to God's instruction. But we also see that wisdom resists sin. In verses 10 through 14. Again Solomon addresses his son. He says my son. He says if sinners entice you. Do not give in to them. Now why would Solomon Write these words to his son, if sinners entice you. Because Solomon knew that there would be sinners that would entice his son. God knows that there's temptation all about us. And he gives us this warning to not give in to these temptations. Notice how he, he almost gives us a commentary of what their, their enticement looks like if they say come along with us I did youth ministry for 10 years and it seems like when I was doing youth ministry the, the phrase peer pressure was so uh, appropriate and apparent to use when you talked about teenagers in high school the, the peer pressure it's a little different in college it's there but it's not near like it was in high school is it young people Solomon wrote about that peer pressure if sinners entice you, if, you're, if your peers, those about you, and he says, come along with us. Now, these are some pretty vile things. Let's lie and wait for someone's blood. And I mean, that's pretty apparent, and that's pretty, pretty just sinful and gross. But this is, this is the, the depth and depravity of sin. Let's waylay some harmless soul. Let's swallow them alive like the grave. And oh, like, like those who go down to the pit, we will get all sorts of valuable things. You, you see hurt and pain and, and, and that people would inflict on one another. You see greed. You see the depth of man's sin. Verse 14, throw in your lot with us. Just as Satan came to Adam and Eve in the garden, he enticed them. Satan and the demons and the world and even sometimes our own sinful heart speak out words or things of enticement to draw us into sin. But, but God says resist. No temptation has seized you except for what is common to man. 
But God is faithful. He will give you a way out. God is faithful. We do not have to give in to sin. Whether you're a child or a, a teenager or a college student or an adult or a pastor, we are all tempted by sin all the time, every day. I have been, for the last several weeks, almost two months, maybe three months, I've been starting my day by just drawing a circle up at the top of my devotion. And my first prayer is, God, help me not sin today so that I can honor and glorify you. Sin abounds. And the sad thing, sometimes it abounds even in my own deceitful heart. So in Solomon's words to his son, you see this warning. You see, first of all, this exhortation to resist sin. But you also see in verses 15 through 19 this warning of sin's destruction. My son, do not go along with them. Again, he exhorts him, do not go along with them. Do not yield. If you want to be a person of wisdom, not only fear God, believe in his son... But, but resist evil, resist the temptations of the world all about you. And then he says, my son, do not go along with them. Do not set a foot on their paths. So sometimes it's the company. Paul said in 1 Corinthians, bad company corrupts good character. We see that truth. But also he says, do not set a foot on their path. Sometimes it's the path of those who entice you. There's just certain places, times, we should not be. And if you want to be a, a, a person of wisdom, you just have to ask yourself, is this wise for me to be here or at this or that? Without naming it, just ask God. God, who gives freely wisdom for everyone who asks according to James 1 chapter 5. God will show you how to live, where you should set your feet as far as the path. But he warns about sin's destruction. Notice what he says. For their feet rush into sin. They are swift to shed blood. How useless to spread a net in full view of the birds. He, he gives us almost this, this, this picture. He says they, they, it is so obvious about what sin. They just spread the net. The net so birds can even see it, but they can still get trapped in it. These men lie in wait for their own blood, but they, they waylay only themselves. What you see here is the, the, the principle of Galatians 6, 7, 8. You reap what you sow. Paul said to the Galatians, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please the sinful nature from that nature will reap destruction Paul Solomon also wrote in Proverbs 5:22 the deeds of a wicked man ensnare him the cords of his sin hold him fast he said Proverbs 10:9 he says the man of integrity walks securely he walks securely because he's walking on a path with God a path of righteousness but he who takes crooked paths will be found out And a verse I've memorized as a college student, Proverbs 14, 12, there's a way that seems right to man, but in the end it leads to death. 
The wages of sin is death. This, this is what Solomon is saying here about the warning of sin's destruction. This is what he's saying to his son. This is what God is saying to his sons and daughters today. Such is the end of all who go after ill-gotten gain. It takes away the lives of those who get it. There's a, there's a cost. But I want to go back to, to verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge. If we have it in our heart to, to be in awe and respect and have a love for God, a love for His instruction to walk in His ways, we have no fear of this destruction. And our love of God will be our motivation for our obedience to God. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. See, if we want to be this person of wisdom, we have to believe that there is one true living God. We have to believe that He is the creator of the universe and ruler of all things. We, we assert that there is a moral law operating in this world, a principle of divine justice which makes sure that eventually the wicked are judged and the righteous are rewarded. We must seek to have a right relationship with God through faith in His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And then believing Believing that God has put within his creation a divine order. That if we obey him, if we love him, if we surrender our life to him. These things will lead to blessing. Not the promise that we will not have trials. Not the promise that we will not be tempted. But we will have the blessing of God on our life. Because we are right with God. Will you be that person of wisdom? Will you be that person who fears the Lord? Children, will you fear the Lord? Teenagers, will you be that person of wisdom where you'll yield and trust your life to the Lord? College students, will you be that person who will revere the Creator God and surrender your life to the Lord and seek His wisdom. And adults, parents, moms and dads, will we be that person? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Would you pray with me? God in heaven, we thank you for today. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your instruction. I pray now during our invitation, Spirit of God, that you would come and speak to our hearts. And even as we sing, that we just might see this as a personal time to answer these questions and to hear your voice speaking to us individually. And for us to say, yes, Lord, whatever you have for me, for my life, I surrender to you. In Jesus' name, amen.